Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Thank you, Pastor Holly. Hi, everyone. It's good to see you. Isn't it a great day today? You hit September 1st and it's like all is right with the world. <laughs> I love this time of year. Well, as we start our, uh, our psalm this week, For our summer psalm series, I'd like to ask you this question. Have you ever been somewhere that you had a hard time leaving, that you didn't want to leave? Uh, As in, it was so good, you just wanted to stay. Maybe it's, you kind of take you back, maybe it's grandma's house when you were a kid. Perhaps a vacation that was just wonderful, you didn't want to go, a sports game. Sunday service last week, wink, wink, right? (laughs) Maybe you call to mind like the, the last day of this truly magical trip that you had. You were sitting there and we've all had this bittersweet moment where you've just, you have so much joy in what you've just experienced, but you're sad that you have to go back to the real world. Have you ever said that <laughs> to, to someone? Here's a fun question when you're just thinking about vacations. Are, are you a beach person or a mountain person? Or maybe you're a travel to different cities kind of person. It's kind of fun to think about, right? Well, uh, vacation may sound like an odd way to kind of enter into this psalm. We're looking today at Psalm 84. But today, that kind of experience that I've just described might be the, the closest thing that many of us have felt to the sentiment that ex- that's expressed in Psalm 84. Instead of vacation, the psalmist is talking about a pilgrimage that he has taken. Instead of a mountain stream, he's talking about going to the temple of God or church. Psalm 84 is this incredible psalm, and it's one that we know well because of a very popular song that's written from this psalm called Better Is One Day. In fact, we're going to end our service singing that psalm together, or that song together. Hey, we're, we are really kind of singing the psalm. Uh, but I'm going to make a generalization here as we kind of begin to think about Psalm 84. This may or may not be true for you, but it'll help us understand the point of this psalm. It may be possible that for many of us, or for many people, we don't usually think as, uh, of worship as something that's always com- com- uh, completely compelling or even joy-filled, right? Uh, truth be told, I've had, I've had seasons in my life where, with the Lord where when I have had to go to church, I've gone to church or into a time of worship with a sense of kind of vague uh, obligation, a duty, it's something that I just need to do or that I should do. Have you ever been there? I think yes. I think all of us at some point in our walk with the Lord have been there. What's worse is that, time, that at times I can come to worship and I don't expect it to be transformative. Have you ever been there? Oh, that saddens my heart when I've come to the Lord and in, in knowing I'm going to encounter his presence and I don't expect to change at all. <laughs> oh, please forgive me, Jesus. Have you ever been there? <laughs> I think we all have. Psalm 84 not only challenges us to consistently come with the right heart into God's presence, but also encourages us to recenter our lives seeking God, knowing that he's going to change us. 
It, it helps us to learn to worship him powerfully in our everyday life and to expect that God's going to do something when we encounter him. So it's a really cool psalm, but it's a challenging psalm in that way as well. It's actually a beautiful, a deeply beautiful psalm. Uh, psalm 84 can be pro- broken into three different sections, and I'd like to look briefly at each of the sections. In fact, you'll see the breakdown of those sections in your Bible. Usually it's broken up with the word interlude, or maybe it says Selah in between uh, the three different sections of Psalm 84. Uh, but I'd like to suggest three section titles as we go through the psalm to help us understand this psalm a little bit better. So as we look at the very beginning of Psalm 84, the first section, we might title this, Longing to Stay. And this is the first four verses of this psalm. So I would like to read this, uh, the first four verses. And again, you're going to recognize it really quickly. It says this, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the shallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Isn't that great? This is definitely a psalm of worship. And uh, I don't know about you, I've always read this psalm incorrectly. And I'll explain why. Because the cool thing about this psalm is that it's told from the perspective of a pilgrim who has come to Jerusalem during a festival and is now getting ready to go home. So the psalm literally takes us on a journey. This pilgrim has met God in the temple and this encounter has changed and transformed his life and he doesn't want to leave. Often uh, this psalm is read, and this is how I've misread this psalm, often this psalm is read as an expression of wanting to go to the place where God is. Which it is that. It says, how lovely is your dwelling place. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter your courts. But this is a psalm of longing to remain in the presence of God. If you look at verses 1 and 2, there are three verbs that help us understand what is happening with the psalmist. The first, the first two, uh, that I longed or I yearned or I faint with longing, those are actually past tense verbs. As in, I longed to be in your presence Uh, I was yearning to be with you, but now I'm here. Isn't that cool? It's a change. I've always read it a little bit differently. We see the third verb, singing or to shout joyfully. It's present tense because the psalmist is actually there in the temple singing to God and has spent this time with God in worship. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, indeed it faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living king. The psalmist is saying, I had previously very eagerly wanted to come to the temple, to your presence, and now I'm here. And, and it is more amazing than anything I've ever experienced. I do not want to leave. Isn't that cool? What a, great, what a great psalm this is. And this is where it pushes us. It asks us, is this your perspective when you come to worship, when you come to the Lord, when you come into the house of the Lord? 
uh, Pastor Holly and I had fun talking about this, shared an experience in our weekly recording, but uh, I don't know, maybe some of you have been to a Compline service at St. Mark's down in Capitol Hill. Uh, it's this really amazing service. It's a service of worship. I got to go once when I was a freshman at Seattle Pacific University, and I'll never forget this experience. We go there. We were a little bit late. There was probably a four to five of us, and uh, because we were a few minutes late, there was, the place was packed. There was just no room at all. So we had to go sitting to what was the, the front end of the room of the sanctuary. And there were so many people, we couldn't sit to where we could face the back of the room, which is where the singing happened. So we were just sat on the floor facing essentially the front of the room, knowing that the singers were going to be behind us. And so the, the choir comes in. And they begin to sing. And it was this mix that day. It was this mix of kind of ancient church music, some Gregorian chant, and other just incredibly beautiful choral music with harmonies all over the place. And I'll never forget this time because uh, this was a moment with the Lord where it seemed to me like everybody in the room just disappeared. And it was me and Jesus. And all of those voices, those beautiful voices that I heard, all of a sudden just became one voice in my hearing, the voice of the Lord. It was beautiful. I can remember it as if it were yesterday and it was back in 2000. (laughs) Just amazing. And I did not want to leave. The funny thing about that moment is it felt like it went by like that, right? Just instantaneous, it was over. And I'm like, no, I want to stay. So we know... uh, that, that being with God, joining together as his people, as his church can be encouraging, but it also can be transformative in the midst of his presence. And sometimes, like the psalmist has done, we have to make an effort to come to a corporate gathering, whether that's in person or online, to spend some time in worship or in the very presence of God. That's what the psalmist did. And it was incredibly worth it. The opening line reads, how lovely Uh, which sounds charming and quaint, right, when we read it. But the phrase actually means how beloved the psalmist is saying, how much I love this place. I long to be here. I want to come all the time. It is dear to my heart, and it is important for me to be here. Do you feel like that when you think about the, the, the church, God's presence, God's people, You have this deep, ongoing desire to want to be with God together. Again, we recognize there are seasons maybe where we feel like that and seasons where that's more difficult. We recognize that, but this, the psalmist is reminding us of what it's like to be in the Lord's presence. This can be reorienting for us as we think about, sometimes we get lost in all these other things and we need to reorient our our heart's desire to the one thing, which is to be in the presence of God. Maybe the psalm can remind us of the necessity of this kind of interaction with God, making it a priority in our, in our lives, and the refreshing beauty that can come from it. And just in case you don't get how much the psalmist likes being oh, here, we come to verses 3 and 4, which are hilarious to me and just really awesome. Uh, the psalmist noticed some, he noticed some birds and just imagines how amazing it would be to be like them at the temple. It says this in verse three and four. Even the sparrow finds a home in the shallow, uh, uh, the swallow, a nest for herself where she lay her, a- her, 
sorry, she may lay her young at your altars, Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Oh, I wish I could be like those birds who can make a nest on the building and they don't have to leave, right? How great would that be? This is a wonderful place, never to leave your presence, God. That's kind of fun when you think about what the psalmist might be noticing here. But it's time for him to go and he wishes he could stay. I love the sentiment. This is the first four verses. So this moves us into the second section of Psalm 84. And we might title this section, Headed Back Home. (laughs) These are the next few verses. And they read like this. It says, Happy are those whose, whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of the As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. So he can't stay. We know he's got to go home. And he turns his face uh, to the road ahead of him, which leads away from the physical temple. And as he leaves, he's thinking about uh, what he's leaving, and he's thinking about what's in front of him. And as the psalmist is headed home, he acknowledges uh, that it's important that as he goes, uh, or as any of us go, that we recognize that we don't actually leave the presence of God, (laughs) right? But that, the, but that God sustains us even as we walk away from this physical gathering place that he'd been in. This is an incredible realization for someone in the Old Testament. We know it because we're filled with the Holy Spirit as God has saved us and gives us what we need for life and faith. But this is incredible that he's recognizing that even as you leave the presence of God. Remember, in that, in that day, everything was centered in their culture and their community around this space, around this worship. And this is where you went to go meet God. And the psalmist is saying, you know what? You don't actually leave the presence of God. The Hebrew literally says here, in whose hearts are the highways. And what the psalmist is realizing is that after this time of worship, his whole body, his whole mind is full of the strength of God, full of the remembrance of his time with the Lord of all creation in the temple. And the psalmist, uh, even as the psalmist is on a literal highway away from the temple, in his heart and in his mind, he's on a highway to one place, the presence of God. Isn't that amazing? What a cool picture of the psalmist's inner life. And this can be a very helpful picture for us as well. No matter where we're going, no matter whether we're leaving this building, no matter what, if you can use that figuratively, metaphorically, at any aspect or point of your life, we can ask this question. Are we, in our life with God, on a highway to one place? This presence of God. Now, this is an important realization because of what the psalmist says next. Uh, he references the Valley of Baca. What is that? Uh, well, it could mean a couple of different things here. Uh, the first thing is that the psalmist could be using it figuratively in that the, volley, the Valley of Baca could be referring to an actual desert shrub uh, that only lives in very dry conditions, Right? So the, the psalmist here could be referencing this word 
uh, and giving the readers a picture of this thing that only, dry, that only exists in dry, desolate places. So we have to be kind of imaginative and just say, okay, what might, am I experiencing a dry or desolate place in my life? Where might that be happening? Maybe that's a season we're going through. Maybe it's a particular situation that you're experiencing. So the psalmist is saying, he's referencing that you can be in the midst of God's presence on this highway to his presence, even if you come up against something very difficult, in a very difficult season of life. And maybe, maybe the psalmist is actually traveling through a very dry place, and he's just thinking about this as he writes. <clears throat> if this is the case, he might be trying to remind his readers that God's strength, God's very presence sustains us through whatever dry and difficult seasons we might experience in life. There's also an aspect to this uh, word, this idea, this valley of Baca, with, with, uh, it connects with this idea of suffering. Are you suffering? God's presence can be with you in the midst of suffering. The other thing that the valley of Baca could mean is literally, be, it could literally be translated as a season of weeping. That's fun, isn't it? <laughs> So the, the psalmist is, it's just really cool word and image that he's using. He's saying, as he's going away from this incredible experience that he doesn't want to leave, he's reminded his whole body and mind are full of this experience, remembering God's faithfulness. And as he walks through, maybe, maybe he's walking through a little dry valley, or maybe he's thinking more figuratively or metaphorically and saying, whether that's a season of life, whether you're suffering or you're sad, God's presence can sustain you. The mighty presence of God will go with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Could any of us tell stories of, from our lives of what that's like? God was with me in this most difficult experience that I've ever been through. Praise the Lord. It was not easy. Right? <laughs> the journey away from the temple can be said to be sad and maybe even spiritually dry. But in the midst of this dryness, the presence of God has gone with the psalmist from the temple and helps him each and every step of the way. And he can do that for us as well. In fact, the author uses this really cool word picture to help us understand what he feels like. But he, but he also helps us understand something about the nature of God. The next thing that he says, uh, he says in verse 7 that, uh, they, that they go from strength to strength that the God of gods will be seen in Zion. So in the midst of your journey through what might be a dry, desolate, suffering, weeping place, the presence of God can make it feel like you're going from strength to strength. It paints this picture. It literally means from fortification to fortification. Like the fortifications of a walled city. Think about the towers that are on the corner of all the walls, right? Those are the places where the guards are. It's most protected. If you're going to attack the city, you don't go near those things, right? <laughs> This is, what it, this is what he's saying. He's meaning that God's presence feels like going from protected place to protected place all along your journey's path. Isn't that an amazing image? Thank you, Jesus. The psalmist is saying even while journeying through these desert places, these desolate places, he feels protected, free from worry or even fear. As if we were in a stronghold because he remembers the faithfulness of God's loving action. Not only historically, but in his own life. Can you remember that, that, the character and nature of God in that way? Not only what we know from scripture, but what has God done in your life? We begin to remember these things and we remind it. It feels like going from fortification to fortification. From strength to strength. This brings us to the very last section 
And we might title this third and final section, Longing to Go Back. (laughs) And it reads like this. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's army, armies, what joy for those who trust in you. So, I love it. I love the psalmist. He's remembering. He doesn't want to leave. He's on this journey away. <coughs> Excuse me. It's difficult, but he's remembering the goodness of God. And then he has this moment. Maybe we've all been there. I just want to go back. <laughs> Have you ever had those moments? So, the psalmist ended the previous section with what he says, Oh, Lord, hear my prayer. In this final section, we kind of get the contents of that prayer. It's actually a very intimate moment here between the psalmist and God. The psalmist is no longer at the temple. He's journeyed home. He's reflected back about how the strength and faithfulness of the Lord has sustained him. And this first verse of the final section cries out to experience that intimacy with God once again. He desires for God to look on him. Now this is incredible. This is an incredible. This is like one of those moments where you, you, you almost feel like uncomfortable. It's so intimate, right? But I think it's very helpful for us. He says, hey, he says he desires for God to look on him, to look upon his face. And he doesn't just mean, hey God, would you just notice me? Right? Would you, would you just be aware of me? He means, God, I'm staring at you. I am desperate to, to look into your eyes. Please look back at me eye to eye. Essentially, he's asking, God, I want to be, I want you to notice me so that I'm the only focus of your attention. Have you ever prayed that? (laughs) Have you ever expected God to do that? I want your undivided attention, Lord of hosts, God of all creation. Pretty cool. God, I don't just want you to be aware of me. I want you to know that you're looking at me and I want this undivided attention so powerful. This reminded me of the idea of falling down in worship. And and I know, I think I've I've talked about this before, but in the New Testament, uh, this idea of worship is pretty significant. There's two main words for the the, uh, idea of worship. There's first, the word that's most often translated as worship, We find both of these words really cool in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. The first word that's most often translated as worship is this word proskuneo. And it's where we get prostrate from, right? There's two aspects of of this word prostrate. The first one is that out of obedience, because because we 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 have faith in Jesus Christ, out of obedience, we choose to surrender. We prostrate. We fall down. Uh, because he's, he's God and, and we're his creation. The second aspect of prostrating is that when the Lord shows up, when his powerful presence is, is where you are, you get down as fast as you can on your face because he is, he is infinite and we are finite. He is holy and we are not. We don't have a choice. You fall down, <laughs> Right? We see this all over scripture. We see both of these. There's this surrendered aspect to it. And then there's, oh, you are God. I'm going to get on my face. 
So the second word in that passage, and the another, and second word that's often translated as worship in the New Testament is actually translated as living sacrifices, which we see in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it is also a worship word. And it would immediately, it connects the Old Testament and the New Testament. It immediately, it's a Levitical word. If you remember the Levites were the pastors of the Old Testament. And it's a word that references how the Levites ordered everything about their lives to worship in God. Everything they said, everything they did, the, the minutes of their day, what they wore, their interactions with other people. Everything was ordered to worship, uh, in worship to God. Isn't that cool? So the New Testament understanding of worship and this Old Testament connection is that we are the falling down ones, both out of surrender and because God shows up and we fall down. And the second aspect is that we order our lives, everything about our lives to worship in, uh, in worship to God. Isn't that cool? <laughs> that is a, the, the, a very rich biblical understanding of worship. And so it, this kind of, this Psalm 84 reminds me of this. That this psalmist was in the presence of God and he's falling down because he's wanting that, that incredible connection with the loving presence of God. So then we come to one of the most famous lines. We all know it because we sing that song better as one day. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. I want to go back to your presence, God. The psalmist longs to do this so much that he says, I'm willing to risk everything for the shortest amount of time. One day, it doesn't matter. Just any moment is worth it, <laughs> right? And in the lowest possible position, I'll even just stand at the door if I can just be near, right? Letting other people in, that's all I want. I just want to be near the action. Pastor Holly and I again talked about this idea of desire a bit in our weekly discussion. And uh, here I'm so inspired to order my life in such a way that I can experience this type of desire with God. Where are you with that today? This, maybe today is a be reminded of what's that like and go after that again with all your heart, <laughs> right? Uh, the psalm concludes with a statement of radical trust in God. See, the psalmist realizes that God hasn't prohibited him from coming and, and living in his presence. God doesn't withhold good things from his children. But God has work for the psalmist to do. The psalmist begins to recognize this. And even in the midst of this service, God gives his grace and his loving presence for the psalmist to go out and do the work of the kingdom. And that's what God does for you and me. This, this experience that we've been talking about, this literal journey we're on with the psalmist, it doesn't end there. God gives us his presence and now asks us to go on our own journey, taking this experience with us. So the psalmist ends not with a longing to stay in the temple or a lament that he has to leave, but he ends with the statement of confident trust in God as he goes about his work. And he says this, for the Lord is our sun and our shield. He gives grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Isn't that wonderful? What a great way to end the psalm. What a journey we've been on, even in just these quick few verses, as we realize what the psalmist is saying. Worship team, would you come back? We're going to end our time together, like I mentioned. We're going to end our time together singing better as one day. We're also going to end our time together remembering and recognizing what Jesus has done for us. We're going to take some communion together. 
And I want us just to continue to remember uh, what it is that we've received. Not only we've received this forgiveness uh, and salvation from, the, from Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross, but we then, through faith, get the Holy Spirit. We can have this ongoing experience with God and be empowered to live lives of faith as we are, as, as the Lord wants us to. Amen? And it's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. So I want to just remember and experience this incredible presence of the Lord again.